Glad you're here with me. Um, you know, it's everything's changing so rapidly and so fast. I feel like tonight's program, it's a must. Um, it's a must-be program um, because there are so many dangers right now to the believer. In self-deception is one of the biggest ones. Deceiving yourself into thinking that you're okay. Everything's all right. Everything's going correctly. I'm all right. You know, I've got my doomsday preparations. I've, I've read my verse a day. But the truth is, is we need to not only be ready, but we've got to be surrendered completely under the authority of Jesus Christ. This is the hour when we can't leave anything to chance, especially when it comes to our walk with God. Let's pray. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Lord, I praise you and thank you that you have not forsaken us, but quite the opposite. You promised to never leave nor forsake. And so, Lord, I thank you that to the very end, our God will be with us. Lord, we're looking forward to a day very soon when this whole thing will be over, Lord, when this wickedness of this earth will be over and done and we will be with you for an eternity. Lord, it couldn't come too fast. But at the same time, I understand, Father, you've given marching orders. You've given us marching orders that we are to save the lost through the good news of the preaching of the gospel of your son, Yeshua. Lord, I pray this program would be according to your will, not my own, because I've asked it in Yeshua Jesus' name. Amen. Well, folks, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the second part of the uh, Prophecies and Mysteries, um, part two, the end of Ruth, I am so sorry. You'd been probably three hundred and some views before I had taken it down and realized, so thank you for somebody commenting, that the end had been cut off and I reposted it. I had to delete it, repost it back out there. Uh, if you didn't get to hear the end, you've got to go back and hear it. That's where we conclude the whole book and uh, it's powerful. And that's the way God's word is. You know, there is a, there is a, a surface uh, literal meaning, meaning when you read the word of God. And then there is a, an underline, you know, a spiritual meaning to the word. But then there is the rhema word, that which is hidden, that only the spirit of the living God can truly reveal. And folks, this Bible is so deep. It is so layered. It is so intense. And it, it has got everything you need to guide us through these last days. And our Heavenly Father plans on leading us through to the very end. And so please go back there and watch that or listen to that episode and find out what exciting news there is in the end of of the book of Ruth, uh, because it may just be you, the one that that book is signaling to. I know it certainly was me in my life, and I thank God for it. But I just want to say a quick thing. I thank the Lord, and I want to praise you, Heavenly Father, for giving me a fantastic company, uh, that are, and my employees are amazing. And I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful gift they did today. And uh, if any of them are listening, uh, you know, I care about all of you. Um, you know, I 
folks, my employees, I love them like they're my own children. Um, and I would do anything to protect them. And uh, God wants us to care for others in our work, in our home, wherever we are. And um, when you care for people, they know you care for them, and it's not just superficial. Anybody can say, I care for you, but it's something different when they actually see words backed up with actions. Actions always speak louder than words. And so, folks, don't forget, you can't, if somebody comes and they're in need, don't just shut the door and say, be blessed and go about your business. You can read about that in the Bible. We try to find out and help our brothers and sisters when they are in need. Tonight's program, it's not a long one, but it is definitely pointed. A few years ago, I had brought up some, some of this information, and I realized that it's now more important than even a few years ago. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the program, this danger like the Laodicean church, thinking that everything's okay, when the truth was that they were blind, poor, and naked, yet they thought they were on the right path. They thought because they went to every prayer meeting, they'd been to every church service, they had done the Bible, you know, the verse a day keeps the devil away. They thought that everything was going their way, but the truth was they were completely and utterly lost because they were confident in themselves and not in God. The apostle Peter had the same issue. Lord, I'll never deny you. And what did he do? He denied the Lord three times. Thank God for that example by Peter to show us don't ever trust the flesh. The flesh will fail you. It will let you down. It will deceive you because the heart is deceitfully wicked. You can't trust it. You can only trust God. And I thank the Lord for that example. Thank Peter for what he did uh, in showing us. And you know what? He learned from it. He wasn't perfect. He was a mess up. We all are. But he got filled with the spirit of the living God and his actions were life changing to this world because he was being moved by the spirit and not by his flesh any longer. Well, tonight I want to speak about the abomination of desolation. For the prophecy students, you know that there is many interpretations of the abomination of desolation. Some believe it is a future event where the third temple will be built and uh, the Antichrist will sit down and, and you know, goes on and on. And then there's the, there's the, uh, the historicist view of it that it happened back in Antiochus uh, Epiphanes days. And that was when it was, when it was uh, actually done. And in some of the historical writings and Josephus and other, they believed it was back in that time. And, and there's a lot of different interpretations of the abominations of desolation, but that's not what I want to talk about tonight. I don't want to talk about a futuristic event, which I'm not saying is not going to happen. I don't want to talk about it as it was in the past, like it didn't happen either. What I want to talk about is the abomination of desolation happening right now, possibly in your life, even it happens, some has happened happened even in my own life at times. Yes, it has happened. The abomination of desolation is being committed by so many people right now that are calling themselves believers. It is horrible and we better understand it. Well, if you don't remember the abomination of desolation, Daniel eleven thirty one. let me refresh your memory. And arms 
shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate." You also remember in the New Testament, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understandeth. Folks, I am not against a futuristic interpretation of this uh, scripture. What I'm trying to say is I'm not talking about that right now. I want to go into the rhema word of this prophecy tonight, what is underneath. But in order to do that, we've got to go back and understand what was a part of the abomination? What did it, what did it have to do with? Well, it had to do with the daily sacrifice. Exodus 29, uh, verses 38 through 39 says this, Now this is that which thou shalt offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb thou shalt offer in the morning, and the other lamb thou shalt offer at even. So you can see that God had set it up originally that there was to be a daily sacrifice, one that happened in the morning and one that happened in the evening. The 2300 uh, day prophecy in Daniel actually the literally says not 2300 days, it actually says 2300s evenings and mornings. We're talking about a daily sacrifice again. Here we are talking about this perpetual sacrifice that was to be taken on around the clock. Where was this sacrifice to be offered? Well, Exodus 29, verse 42 tells us, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto you. So this sacrifice was to happen at the door. Now, you remember, who is the door? I am the way, the truth, the light. I am the gate. We're talking about Yeshua here. This sacrifice, this door where the Lord was to meet, it was there that this was supposed to be happening at so that he could speak unto the people there. He would speak through Moses' prophet. He tried to speak to the people one time at Sinai, but they asked him, please don't ever let him speak to the people again. You might remember that story. What were the fruits, benefits, and blessings of this altar and daily sacrifice? Well, this is what came along with it. Exodus chapter 29, uh, verses 41 to 45. And the other lamb thou shalt offer at even, and shalt do thereunto to the meat offering of this morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet you to speak there unto thee. And there I will meet with the children of Israel and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also both Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. So what were the blessings? Well, the blessings were simply this, relationship with God. At this place of sacrifice, the Lord would meet there to speak with his ministers, to speak with his people. And not only that, but there would be sanctification that would be taking place there. A setting apart unto holiness would happen there. And it would be the place where these sacrifices were happening, that that was that place where God would be there and dwell with the children of Israel. 
Now, you may look at some of these sometimes and you say, well, this was just for the ministers. Folks, if you haven't read the new covenant, we are all now ministers of the new covenant. We all have the ability to share. I'm not saying there's not different gifts and, and leadership in, inside of, uh, of the Lord's church. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about the right to minister and be priest, a royal priesthood. That is now the opportunity for all of us because it's desperate times. We need to get the work out in the word to everybody that Yeshua is coming again. So during the times of sacrifice, remember sanctification, setting apart to holiness was happening there at that place. And so you look at this and I ask the question to myself, could this entire plan still be in place today? Is it possible that the daily sacrifice has never actually been taken away? Now, I'm not talking about you needing to sacrifice animals here to get rid of your sin and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But is the sacrificial system as a new covenant believer still in place? Do we still have a tabernacle today? Well, let's look and see what the word of God says. First Corinthians chapter three, 16 and 17 says this. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. So here we see that the temple is actually still in place right now. It's us, our bodies, and the Lord dwells in his temple, which is us. His spirit dwells there with us and he doesn't want us to defile his temple. Because the Lord's temple is holy, and in God, when he is in his temple, he does holy things. He does holy things no matter where he is, but he expects his dwelling place to be holy. It's made holy by his presence, but don't defile his temple. Don't bring things into the temple that he detests and that ruin his temple. There's a lot of things out there that ruin the temple. From the health choices we make to the uh, physical choices we make, and especially to the spiritual choices we make. So we know that there's a temple. It's still standing today. But is there still a daily sacrifice? And if there is, how can we offer that sacrifice? Well, I would direct you to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So yes, right here, the apostle Paul, under the power and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that yes, our bodies are to be a living sacrifice. If you remember, they sacrificed living animals, and we also are a living sacrifice unto God. But how how do we make sacrifices in the new covenant? How do we make it as New Testament believers? First Peter 2.5 says this, Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by 
Jesus Christ. Now here, Peter is trying to reference us back. This is imagery that he and everybody understands. This is the imagery that they taught the Bible from the Old Testament. Folks, they didn't have the New Testament. They taught the the Bible from the Old Testament because believe it or not, it's actually one book. Okay? It's one book or maybe different covenants, but the same book. So the imagery he is speaking here of the sacrificial system is resonating with these new covenant believers as Peter's explaining to them. But now as priests, instead of offering up a physical lamb and and a physical turtle doves and things like that, we are now offering up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to the Lord. Psalm 51, uh, 16 and 17 says this, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. That brokenness, which we've known from reading in Zephaniah uh, chapter 3, when God talks about singing over his people, if you read the verses right after that, you know why he's singing over his people? Because he found a group of people who are gathered together in a solemn assembly because the reproach of this world was a burden unto them. And they got together and they were fasting and praying and crying out because the sin of the world was too much. They were broken over what was going on. And God's people are broken and their spirits and their hearts are contrite. And when God sees that, it says he doesn't despise those sacrifices. He is well pleased at because folks, let me tell you right now, when you begin to share the very heart of God, you will be broken over the sin that is going on in this world right now. You will be broken over what is happening right now. You will be broken by the homosexuality and the bestiality and the and the abortion and everything that is going on in the vile, uh, porn, you know, pornography and everything. I mean, the sins are it's 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 unbelievable what's going on today. I've said before, if pornography was available when I was young, like it is today, I don't know if I could have survived. I don't know if I'd have made it. I remember when I was a little kid, just to find something, a, a, a dirty book, it was like contraband. You know, it was like someone would have it and they would hide it and br- make you go into a dark corner to almost look at it and see it and shut it up real quick. It was like a nuclear bomb. But today it's everywhere and nobody even blushes anymore because it's a part of our society. But the people of God are broken over it and those sacrifices of a broken heart and the wickedness of this world and the trials and the trauma of what it means to be a believer and the persecution and the people of calling you names and stuff. It breaks the heart of God's people. And I believe it breaks his heart also. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifices of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So here, elaborating in the book of Hebrews, that that the daily sacrifices are also about giving praise. And folks, when you stop praising in your life, when you stop giving thanks to God and, sh- and, and singing and praising his holy name, we actually can begin to, uh, to commit this abomination of desolation by taking away the daily sacrifice in our own lives and the thing that we keep looking for that's coming in the future. We keep talking about the abomination of desolation. Actually, we end up committing ourselves while we are at the same time looking for a prophecy to be fulfilled. We are fulfilling the prophecy in our own lives 
and it's a shame and we need to wake up to it now. When you stop praising the Lord, something in you will begin to die. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Godly music brings about godly things. But ungodly music brings about ungodly things. So if you're listening to some godly, biblical, Christianity, Bible-believing music, I'm telling you, peace will come over you. King David would play before Saul, and when he played, the devil would be driven out because he couldn't stand in the presence of holy music. But when you're listening to this ungodly music, let's not even talk about the rock and roll we all that's going on in this world. We know about that. I'm talking about this fake, false, so-called Christian praise music that sounds just like what you were listening to when you were in the clubs and when you were out partying, and they're calling it Christian with the most disgustingest lyrics of some uh, cheesy God that it sounds so weak. I don't even, this is not the God of the Bible that they're talking about. This is some other false God that they've made up in their mind to appease and justify their music. So like in Nebuchadnezzar's day, and they set up his, his image, that he would have them fall down when they heard all that wonderful Babylonian music and then worship. Folks, we do not listen to the music of Babylon. It is the music of God that drives the devil out. And if it's not the music of God, then it will bring the devil right in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth. See what he's saying here? We thank God without ceasing. Here it is, that continual sacrifice of praise, of being thankful to God. First Corinthians 15, 31 says this, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Oh my, hallelujah. I die daily, daily sacrificing of the flesh It begins every morning when you wake up, when we surrender it to the Lord, when we give it over to God to take control of the flesh, when we give it up, we die daily to ourselves so that we can be fully alive unto the Lord. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. There it is, that daily prayer, sacrifice, Praying without ceasing. It's the same language again as the daily being talked about here as new covenant. First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. The sacrificial system, folks, it is still fully in place as a new covenant believer. It hasn't changed. It's spiritual though now, but we must still offer these sacrifices. But what happens when we stop our daily sacrifice? I love this story in Samuel because it's a reminder of how important it is to pray. 1 Samuel 12, 23 says this, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin, did you hear that? Sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Samuel said it would be sin for him to stop praying. That is reverence 
for the word of God. And reverence is a word that is not talked about anymore because to reverence God is somehow seemed to be, to be bad, reverencing him in his holy sanctuary, reverencing in him in his holy temple. No, we don't do that anymore because that is considered to be too old school and old fashioned. And here the reverence Samuel had for the absolute privilege of being allowed to pray. He said it would be sin for him to stop. Oh, how if we took our calling as serious as Samuel took his calling. Proverbs 28.4 says this, They that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. See, when we stop obeying, when we stop following the things that God says to do, you know what happens? We, you know, you, did you hear what it said? It said, they that forsake the law praise the wicked. Yes, we will start to praise things and to do things that are contrary to God when we stop following his commands and what he says to do. Hebrews chapter three and verse 12, take heed brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And you know what happens when you stop the praise and you stop doing the things you will begin to develop a heart of unbelief, of questioning and doubting. Now the good news is this, God doesn't give up even when we have. God doesn't quit even when we've messed up. God doesn't just give up on you because you made a mistake. Oh no, he, quite the contrary, he keeps coming. But he will only be a gentleman when it comes to salvation. He will not force you. But if you cry out, he will certainly come. Hebrew or Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 19 says this, these six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. This is what happens and results when we step away from the daily sacrifice of God. Folks, do you know sin is not the problem? Sin is not the problem. Listen to me closely. Sin is the result of the problem. See, the problem started back in the Garden of Eden. The problem was a broken relationship with God. And when they got away from God and began to listen to another, it resulted in sin. So quit trying to attack the sin. Quit trying to fix the sin and begin to fix the problem. The problem is a broken walk with God. The result of the problem is sin. But if you can fix the problem, if like John the Baptist said, it's time to lay the ax to the root. If you can lay the ax to the root and get down to the real problem, and that's the walk with God, the relationship is fixed, the sin will go away. You see, God doesn't want us to live in sin. He is greater than that. He cares about us. He wants to change our heart, but we can't change it by simply fighting the sin. We must repair the relationship that starts with sacrifice of prayer, praise, thanksgiving, worship,
continually, dying daily. These are the things that we do, and we rebuild the relationship with God. Because in the sacrifice, do you remember what he said back in the beginning? It is in that sacrifice is where we meet the Lord and sanctification takes place. The same thing that happened in Exodus is the same thing that happens with us when we begin to practice his sacrificial laws as new covenant believers. We begin to build our relationship, and that's where sanctification and speaking with God happens. Now, check this out. I love the temple service of God. You can learn so much from what took place in the temple. The temple is filled full of so much symbolism, so much deep meaning. But Revelation chapter 5, verse 8 says this, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You see, when you are praying, when you're seeking the Lord, when you're praying out, God says, this is a sweet, this is like being a priest in the temple and you're burning the incense before the Lord. Your prayers are going up as a sweet savor and he smells before your prayers. And they're sweet in his nostrils because he loves the prayers of his saints and he dwells in the midst of the sacrifice because he is the ultimate sacrifice. I speak this as a warning tonight. Matthew 12, 43 to 45. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none, findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then he go, then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So here he's talking about when deliverance, when you've had that breakthrough and the devil's cast out and he goes around, he has nowhere to go, but he comes back around after a while and he sees that you've cleaned the house up, but you failed to fill it with anything. And when he sees it empty, he says, you know what, guys, come on, let's grab some friends. We're about to have a party. You see, the best way to drive the devil out and keep him out is by filling your tabernacle filled full of the sacrifices and the praises of God because the devil can't dwell in the midst of that. He hates it. He can't stand it. And it doesn't sit well with him. That's why when the godly music is playing, he has to flee because godly music praise drives him out. Don't let this be you. And if it has been, there's good news. God is calling us back to the altar, back to the sacrifice, 
back to starting it all over again. And I want to talk to you right now. Maybe you've fallen by the wayside. Folks, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my great periods of time where I've been on top of everything. I've been doing my devotions, working, you know, studying out, seeking the Lord with all of my heart. And then there are times when I get wrapped up in the cares of this world and work and everything else. And then all of a sudden I realize that I've neglected the things of God. And when I realize I've neglected the things of God is because everything else begins to fall around, part around me. And it's at that moment I realize something's got to change. We have to get back to the basics. Prayer, fasting, praising, reading his word, sacrifices to God, New Testament, new covenant sacrifices that are spiritual. Don't just give lip service to your brethren when they're in need. Find out how you can help them because the sacrifices of God are holy. And we serve a holy God that is looking for holy people. Tonight, or whenever you hear this, make the change. God is calling us to be his people. I want to close in prayer. Father, we repent for committing the abomination of desolation in our hearts. When we have taken away the daily sacrifice, Lord, and we set up false idols and ungodly sacrifices in our own lives to replace the true worship, Lord, that you are due and worthy. Lord, we repent and ask for forgiveness in Jesus' name for this, Lord. Forgive us for where we have failed, Lord, to do the things that you've called us to because we know that the things that you've asked us to do, they are good for us and they are good for those that are around us. So, Lord, we want to recommit and say, God, please forgive us this and help us to walk in the ways of holiness. Lord, I repent for where we have disregarded the holy things of God. Lord, I ask that you would help that believer right now that is listening to this program that maybe thinks they've gone too far, maybe thinks they're too lost, Lord. Remind them that nobody is beyond the outstretched arm of the Lord. And that just like the lady with the issue of blood, when she reached out to touch the hem of your garment, Lord, because she knew that there were healing in your wings, Lord, may we reach out with our spiritual arms now and grab the hem of your garment, Lord, as we fall to our knees and cry out because the brokenness of God's people is a sacrifice to the Lord. And Lord, we call upon you to please bring healing. Thank you, God. I ask this in Yeshua's powerful name. Amen. This is Brother Frank on the Remnant Call saying good night and shalom. Trumpet in Zion, sounded on the mountains. Lower trumpet in.
Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.